0: Hello and welcome to Coco Pods, a podcast of the Broad Center for Natural Deliveries Foundation, headquartered in Forsyth, Georgia. Today we're recording live from the campus of Emory University School of Medicine in Atlanta, Georgia, and we are so fortunate to have with us today Dr. Nanette Wenger, Professor of Medicine, Division of Cardiology at the Emory University School of Medicine in Atlanta. Thank you so much, Dr. Wenger, for coming to our podcast today. Dr. Sagari,
1: I welcome you to Emory and to Atlanta, Georgia, and I am just so impressed with the work of the foundation in improving the health of pregnant women. Thank you.
0: Dr. Wenger, you are no doubt the most influential female cardiologist in women's health. That is a fact. In the world, I did some research. You have devoted the rest of your career to understanding how heart disease, specifically coronary artery disease, that is disease of the blood vessels of the heart, how it affects women. You are a professor of medicine, division of cardiology at the Emory School of Medicine, still actively teaching fellows and residents. Can you please enlighten us about your professional journey and your path to advocacy for women in the studying of cardiac diseases in women?
1: Well, you know, when I was in medical school and really during most of my training, heart disease was considered a problem for men. And the reason was that the main disease was heart attack, it was affecting men, they were dying. Heart attack carried a 40 to 50% mortality at the time, but it was considered predominantly a disease of men. And the reason was that men had heart attacks, they had them at fairly young age, and heart attack carried a 40 to 50% mortality, so different from today. And the women developed their disease later in life, after their reproductive years, and it was essentially ignored. And when I came into faculty position and saw women in the clinic and in the hospital, and I saw them with heart disease, I basically said, I have no information to treat the women, and I have no reason to assume that their disease is the same and that their treatments are the same as men. And I advocated with the National Institutes of Health, with the American Heart Association, the American College of Cardiology, saying we have to study it. Now, there is tremendous emphasis internationally on sex as a biologic variable, meaning we can't assume that men and women behave the same with the disease, respond the same to medicines and to treatments, and we are looking at sex, gender-specific medicine. And what that has done is to improve the outcome for women because we know the way women present. We know that the diagnosis, the prevention, the management, the outcomes are totally different between women and men. And the study of this has improved the health of women, but we are just beginning the journey. The concern that I want to share with my colleagues and with the women is that we're now seeing more and more disease in young women, and this is because they are not heart-healthy. They are smoking, they are obese, they are sedentary, they are not eating a heart-healthy diet, and these are simple, simple features. This is what we call in the American Heart Association, Life's Simple 7. And I think when you see your physician, ask your physician about Life Simple 7 and what is it that you have to do about not smoking, about your diet, about physical activity, about weight management, And then as necessary about measurement of blood pressure, blood glucose and blood cholesterol, because those seven variables can help you come to a pregnancy healthy, stay healthy during a pregnancy and stay healthy to take care of your babies.
0: Wow. Yes, you indeed, you advocated the need to disaggregate, that is to break down research study results and report gender-specific analysis from clinical trials. But why have women not been traditionally, separately included in clinical trials that we give results mimicking, like you said, women attributes and to give results that are specific to women, why have they not been traditionally and historically included in the clinical trials?
1: Well, initially, because it was thought to be a disease of men, the men were studied in the research. And then as we began to try to study women, many women didn't perceive themselves to be at risk. So it took a great deal of time to begin to encourage women to participate. And I've had great success over the decades in recruiting women into clinical trials. And interestingly, I've done many trials even with older women, and the women... Will say to me, "I'm coming into this trial because I want for my daughters and my granddaughters what is currently available for my sons and my grandsons." So the only way we can learn about disease in women is to study it in women. So certainly, all the women listening should consider participation in the various clinical trials.
0: Wow, wow! You know, Doctor Wenge, um, you you are a powerful woman, strong, you're well accomplished. And if you don't mind me ask, uh, saying this, you are in your nineties. You look extremely well-dressed. I mean, you, you, you dress well all the time and you drive an electric car. Um, can you give other women, you know, including young female medical students and doctors, professional women, just a tip of, or two as to how they can achieve, you know, you know, maybe a status like this in life, you know, looking at, you know, your accomplishments?
1: As I tell my medical students and my trainees and indeed my junior faculty members, the most important thing to do is to value yourself, to realize that you have worked very hard to accomplish what you have gotten to, that you are well-informed that you are devoting your life to the care of patients. So value yourself and value your contributions. But there's something that I call self-advocacy. And you can't just walk out there and say, look at me, I'm great. You really have to show that you can accomplish something. And therefore what you do is you see a need in your sphere, in your area, in your clinical practice, Is there a niche? Is there a need for more information? And you become a specialist. You study, you learn. And when you become the expert in that area, people come to you and you are recognized as a leader, not because you say, I'm a leader but because you have shown your leadership skills, you've shown your accomplishments, you've shown how you have improved the care that can be delivered to patients. And that's the best thing we can ask
0: for. The CDC, that is the Centers for Disease Control of the whole United States, is headquartered in Georgia. Again, this is where we have, you know, one of the worst maternal mortality rates in the US and globally of all developed nations. What can we do for additional help and even legislation, especially in highlighting, for example, the concept of the first trimester of pregnancy? How can we get additional help or who do we tap for additional help? And what can legislation do to help this problem of epic proportions? Well,
1: again, so many of the women who are the vulnerable population, who are at risk of pregnancy complications, are women with limited socioeconomic resources. And often they are dependent on Medicaid or whatever the state variety of that is for their insurance. And typically, that ended a few weeks after pregnancy was terminated. Now what all of us have advocated for is what we call the fourth trimester of pregnancy. And that is to extend health insurance coverage and thereby access to medical care and medical advice and medical counseling for the woman for six, and ideally even 12 months after the pregnancy. Because this is the time when the early complications can be detected. This is the time when the healthcare providers, be they nurses or nutritionists or physicians or any of the healthcare providers, can encourage a healthy lifestyle, can detect any problems, and can improve the outcome for women. Much of this is dependent on the access to medical care. And sadly, in the U.S., we have no national health care system, and therefore health care insurance is our means of access. So certainly coverage for what I like to call the fourth trimester of pregnancy is very important. In our Emory Women's Heart Center, what we have is one of the Emory Women's Heart Center cardiologists actually at one of the settings meeting with the OBGYNs and the patients in the preeclampsia clinic so that women who've had preeclampsia during their pregnancy and come for follow-up will meet the cardiologist in that setting. Often there will be discussion with an advanced practice nurse to say, here we are, we know that your main focus right now is the care of your baby, but you can't take care of your baby unless you take care of yourself. And here are the things you must do to stay healthy, and this is the follow-up that we would like to give you. And this is that fourth trimester follow-up.
0: Wow. I know you talked about this earlier, Life Simple 7, but I want us to talk a little bit more about it. You know, the American Heart Association, indeed, uh, they defined ideal cardiovascular health based on seven risk factors. And that was a life's simple seven. If a woman wants to prevent cardiovascular disease, that is disease of the heart and blood vessels, and especially a minority woman or a low resource woman, regardless of her race, what can she and her family do to practically help these issues and where can she go for more resources?
1: The online resources of the American Heart Association of Women Heart, many of these resources are available and they detail what the numbers are for Life's Simple Seven. They will detail ideal weight, ideal blood pressure, all the know your numbers. The most important emphasis is on lifestyle. So non-smoking absolutely never. And if you're smoking, stop and do not resume it. Don't ever start smoking. And vaping, to me, is equivalent to smoking. So nothing. Make physical activity a part of your life. Find out what about physical activity you enjoy and do it. And be sure you do some type of physical activity most days of the week. Weight management, very important. But weight management is easier when you're physically active and you have a heart-healthy diet. Sometimes you may need a nutritionist to help you, and that is available. And then a heart-healthy diet that is based on whole grains, low-fat dairy products, predominance of fruits and vegetables, and limited amounts of red meat protein, lean meats, It is the so-called Mediterranean diet. It's the diet that many people around the world eat. It is a very easy diet to follow. It's a diet that should become a lifestyle habit rather than something that you consider a diet. And then certainly, if you see that you have problems with stress, there are counselors available. This has been a stressful year or year and a half the world and there are resources available that your health care provider can lead you to to see because sometimes the responses to stress are unhealthy inappropriate eating sedentary lifestyle smoking drugs etc so stress leads to bad habits and therefore management of stress is very important
0: wow uh dr wenger thank you so much Well, we have been talking to Dr. Nanette Wenger on the Cocoa Pods podcast, a podcast of the Broad Center for Natural Deliveries Foundation, headquartered in Forsyth, Georgia. The podcast is available on all major podcasts, and we seek to discuss all the issues relating to women's health, especially minority women, in and around pregnancy with the hope that as we're talking about all these issues, it brings awareness and we can find solutions to some of the problems. Back to Dr. Wenger, thank you so much for being here. In closing, if you were to talk to a pregnant woman or a woman considering pregnancy in Georgia, what advice would you give as a cardiologist and an advocate for women's health care?
1: Well, every woman should have a primary care provider. And actually, for many healthy women, the obstetrician or gynecologist is that primary health care provider. And therefore, what we want is advice for the women to come to a pregnancy in good health. And if complications arise during the pregnancy, regular prenatal visits are the best way to detect the problems early and to manage it. But there will be the development of hypertension during pregnancy. There will be the development of diabetes during pregnancy. And sadly, one in 10 women, up to one in 10 women may develop preeclampsia. You know, that has increased by about 25% in the last two decades, probably because more women are coming to pregnancy, not being as healthy as they should be. But again, once that happens, the woman must realize that she is at increased risk for subsequent cardiovascular disease, requires regular surveillance, and then again, as with pre-pregnancy, post-pregnancy, Life's Simple 7, the rules of the American Heart Association of healthy lifestyle, of normal exercise, heart-healthy diet, non-smoking, weight management, and then as the provider recommends measurement of blood pressure, blood sugar, and blood cholesterol. But the idea is to be healthy and to stay healthy.
0: Wow. Dr. Wenger, I cannot thank you enough for coming on our podcast, for educating me and so many women out there, so many professionals, so many women in the childbearing age. Thank you so much for your time today. We are very grateful to you.
1: And I am very impressed with the work that the foundation has done and will continue to do. So congratulations on the foundation.
0: Thank you.